0: Hallelujah. So I'm tired of my message this morning. Let's build together. Let's build together. Jesus, when he came to the planet all those years ago, he decided to go back to be with the Father and he left the people on the planet who knew him to be those he would would partner with in building his kingdom. Today, in this time in history that you and I live in, we are part of God building his church. And those of you who are are part of Ignite, God has not just called you to come and sit here on a Sunday and listen and be spat at by me or whatever. Actually, God wants you to participate and join in building his kingdom. Last Sunday, if you weren't here, a lot of you away, Mother's Day and all that, good on you, supporting your mums. But I really would encourage you, to, if you get a chance, to look back at last week's message because it will be a building block to this one, and it will help you understand this one. But anyway, it's all good. Last week, my message was, um, can you see? You see, I really believe God wants us as a church and wants the Christians across this planet to see like they've never seen before, to see the broken mess that this world is in, but also to see that you and I are the answer. See, he called you, and he said, you are the light of the world. Turn around to the person next to you and say, you are the light of the world. But here's the thing. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Can you see what God can see and the reason why he sent Jesus and even now right across and particularly even in Australia and Victoria, there are lots of crazy stuff going on That is trying trying to disempower the church, trying to make Christians think their message is not, not relevant. And that is the biggest lie from the pit of hell. God wants you to understand, friend, you are the answer to your neighbor's problems. You are the friend to your children. You are the answer to your children's problems. You are the answer to your husband or your wife or your neighbor or your workmates. Because you are the light of the world. Hallelujah. You are the light of the world. That was last week. This week I want to talk to you, like I said, about we can build together. We can build together as a community. Cassie, I hope I don't frighten you away. You know, I've been praying, God, let me be good. I don't want to blow up the bowing either. I've already done it. Never mind. So if you've got a Bible, which you should do, um, can you please turn to the book of Nehemiah? Because I want to build out of the book of Nehemiah again. God's so strongly been speaking to me through this book over the last um, several months. And I've probably got about 20 mes- messages stacked up around the book of Nehemiah, which is kind of crazy. Um, but anyway, if you, can we put up um, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 through to 18? I'm going to read to you in the New King James Version. Now, the background behind this is that the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was a guy who was the king's cup bearer. Uh, The king of Babylon was a guy named um, Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes had been put in power. Previously, Israel had been um, under the control of the Babylonian Empire. The Babylonians had gone to Jerusalem, stolen away the people, busted up the city, and taken people back to be captive in Babylon. Then what what happens is the Babylonian, Babylonian Empire collapses And the Persian Empire takes power. And Artaxerxes is the king of that empire, the Persian Empire. Um, Nehemiah is the king's cupbearer. So his job was really to check out the food and the stuff that the king ate and drank to make sure nobody was going to kill him. But he was also in a very privileged position as the king's cupbearer to actually be in the person of the king of the Persian Empire. Very significant thing. And also, which is kind of crazy, Esther, who we remember the book of Esther is about, uh, was actually his mother in law. I'm sorry, not his mother, his stepmom. And remember, the book of Esther talks about that uh, her uncle had come to her and said, Esther, you were born into history for such a time as this, because she was to represent God. And then she has this influence on this guy called Artaxerxes, who Nehemiah is the king's cupbearer to. Nehemiah uh, is a Jew. Nehemiah uh, has a heart for God and a heart for his people. And then what happens is Nehemiah asks some people who come back from Jerusalem, because he's living in the king's house uh, in the Persian Empire, and he says, hey, how are the people doing in Jerusalem? And the people, uh, uh, the guys that come back say, well, man, Jerusalem is in a mess. Yeah, they built the temple because some people had gone back and built the temple. But the walls that were meant to protect the city of God and the, and the temple of God were non existent. And the enemy was coming in and causing a great rampage. He was just destroying the people of God and embarrassing them and uh, just causing absolute mayhem. And now we're going to take the story up in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. Did I bring my glasses? Oh no, it's going to be by faith. Nehemiah chapter 2, 17 through to 18. This is Nehemiah. Now, oh, yeah, that's right. Now, Nehemiah had gone to Jerusalem. The Artaxerxes had given him permission and given him a whole lot of resources to, um, uh, to go and build the walls. So he spends three days checking out Jerusalem, doesn't tell anybody what he's there for, and then finally it's time for him to reveal his vision. And he's talking to the people who he wants to help him build the wall. You with me? Bit of a mouthful, but it's so important you understand what's going on. Okay, so from verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. Verse 18, And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. They replied. So they said, Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. They bought the vision that Nehemiah was giving to the people of God that they were in a terrible state and that then their land who were the people of God who were meant to rule over and not be under and they realized their state and they realized, you know what, we can do something about us. Let us join together and build the wall so Jerusalem and the temple can be protected. Hallelujah. I want to compel you this morning through this story that we together can build a community That has great strength and great power with God's hand and change our world around us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The walls were down, but they could do something about it. Seventy years earlier, what had happened was um, they'd gone and built the temple. They built the temple, but they forgot about the enemy. They built the temple where they could worship God and they could lift their hands up and they could meet with their creator, but they forgot that they had a foe that hated them and wanted to come and bring destruction and they had no protection against it. We are living in an age right now, my friends, where the enemy is rampant across this planet. And in fact, he is even more rampant attacking the society that we know in here in Australia that has been built on Judeo-Christian ethics. Governments are changing laws that are trying to attack your children, that are trying to to make your children not believe in God, not even understand who they are and confuse them even with their gender. We are living in a crazy world. Your children are facing things you have never faced. They are in an education system that is trying to mold them and make them into something that God never designed them to be. The walls are being attacked by the enemy. But hallelujah. We are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You have the power of God and the name of Jesus Christ to make a difference in this planet. Hallelujah. I want to compel you and I want to compel us as a church. While Pekka and I had been away, And even prior to going away, uh, at our last probably couple of elders meetings, I've been talking to them about my heart and our cry for family and for our families. You know that over the last six months, we've been strengthening marriages with our younger marriages that they've been going. Because I believe that these younger marriages and these people that we have been strengthening are going to change our planet. But we want them to have a strong family. Hallelujah. Because the enemy is at work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And friends, I want this morning for us to reprioritize a particular area, and that is our children. I want us to lift up and understand that our children are under attack, and we need to bring them up to a place where we realize that, and we need to start protecting them in a way we never have before. Can I have an amen? Amen. My kids are all adults, but I've got grandkids coming. I look too young, I know, but... Not true. Why did you laugh at that? Whatever you're good. I tell you, I feel the Holy Spirit like never before that is trying to get me as a leader here to understand the predicament that our families and our children are in and for us to join together to build a community of strength and power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Seventy years, a community were living in Israel. They built the temple, but the enemy was kicking butt. How come it took seventy years for them to get there? Act together. Let's not wait seventy years. Let's, from this moment on, begin to change. Let's start to realize our kids. What am I talking about when I'm talking about children? I'm talking zero to 20. In fact, if you're older, I'm talking 20 to 30. Because some of you, even in your 20s and your 30s, I see you, you're like children to me. I wish I was where you were. Do you understand? But really, I just want to bring up this thing about the the zero to 20. We have a couple of things we already do. But, friend, I want to expand and bring a new passion and a new vision for our kids' church. I don't want our kids to be put in a place where we kind of put them away and, you know, they don't encounter the power of God. Our youth that we do. I feel God wants to breathe new life and He wants us to strengthen the youth that we already have as a church. But not only that that we, through strengthening them, begin to strengthen our community of youth. We have some fantastic people who have been working so hard in these areas, but we need to actually join together as a church. Hallelujah. It's funny, I was, um, when I was away, I went to a Presbyterian Bible study. Presbyterian Bible study. Because I'm desperate. They love God. And the lady said something to me that has stayed with me. We had lots of talk. We were just, my, my niece does the study. And um, there was a lady there. And for some reason, uh, you know, we were talking about the differences between the Presbyterians and the Pentecostals. And we're talking about children and how, you know... Um, you know, And some of the other forms of Christianity, they christen kids, right? But you know, what we do, we as a church, we dedicate children. What will happen is a parent will come to me and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I love God, and, and I just want to dedicate my kids to God and make a statement publicly that I am committed to helping my children find God. So we as a church, what we do is we do that, and we bring them up, and we hallelujah, Jesus, and we pray. And then often what we do is we say to you, church, that you are part of the deal, partnering with the parent and bringing the child up. But then this lady said to me, You know, she said, yeah, no, yeah, you know, we do that kind of same thing at the Presbyterian Church, but do we really mean it? Do we really, as a church, when we bring a child here and we bring them up and we pray and Jesus bless them and yes, we all help, do we really mean that? Do we really partner together as parents and church? to bring our children up. And this lady said, you know, she said, you know what I think about that? She said, it's kind of like there is a mark of God and she used this word mark of God on our children when we dedicate them to him. They're no longer just a normal child. They're no longer just whatever. That when we say God, we dedicate them to you. There is the touch and mark of Jesus Christ on that child. Hallelujah. And because they have the touch and mark of Jesus Christ on them, we as a church need to understand that and see that mark of God and see our responsibility and say, we will join together. Yep. Hallelujah. Do I have an amen? amen. amen. I tell you, I never before have I felt this from him. Never before has Pekka. We've got lots of ideas going on, but not yet. Because I need to know that we are going to build together. see, Nehemiah had to build the wall. But Nehemiah couldn't build the wall by himself. Nehemiah was, his job was to motivate the people to build the wall as a community of protection around their children. Hallelujah. My job, sad to say, for you, is to lead you and bring a new sense of that. I'm I'm just joking, the sad thing. You should be blessed I'll lead you. Amen? Amen. That was kind of all right. (laughs) One day, Jesus was with the disciples. And they were hanging out, and they were teaching and preaching and doing their thing. And then what happened was some parents came along. And the parents came along, and they wanted to bring their children to the feet of Jesus. And that's a good thing, don't you think? But for some unknown reason, the disciples in their whatever rebuke the parents and say, and push the kids to the side, or try to. I want to read it with you. Oh, actually, before I go there, I've got to ask you this question. Ultimately, whose job is it to bring children up? Sorry? Okay, can I, can I have a sense, do we agree with that? You're not convincing me. It is your job if you have been blessed by God with the responsibility of caretaking for your children. You're the ultimate person responsible to take them on their spiritual journey. Amen. That's your job. In fact, that's your calling, and in fact, that's your privilege Amen. to be a light to your children. Hallelujah. Our job as a church is to help equip you as a parent because Ephesians tells me that my job and the job of our leadership is to equip the saints for the work of their ministry or their service to God. I've got to try to equip you and I've got to partner with you, but it's not my ultimate responsibility. If you are a parent who puts your spiritual uh, responsibility and you renag on that and you put it on us, Friend, you got it the wrong way. You got it the wrong way. We want to partner with you. We want to build together. But ultimately, you're the one that spends most time with with the kid. You with me? So we are in partnership. Okay, let's read. Uh, You know the Gospels. You know when you read the Gospels, so the four Gospels... There's three that are called the Synoptic Gospels. That's what I went to Bible college to learn Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Whenever you read in the Synoptic Gospels where the same thing is mentioned three times, it is highly important. The story of Jesus and the children is in all three Gospels. I want to take in particular Mark's version of it. So, can we put up Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through to 16? I'll read from verse 13. Then they brought the little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who bought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God Verse 15, for assuredly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, or in his hands, and blessed them. Think of of this. The answer to the world, Jesus. His bonehead disciples, for whatever reason, hadn't gotten it yet. Some parents want God to touch their kids. And the disciples rebuke them. I do not want to be a church who shuts our kids out. I do not want to be be a church who we as a congregation, you know, we've got to have things in order. Don't get me wrong, but if we as a church and a congregation want to keep it all nice and whatever and can't let our kids be kids, we are not Jesus' church. We need his bum, we need our bums kicked, sorry. Can I have an amen? You're all looking at me like. You know, when you get older, some of us, when we get older, we don't like too much noise. Man, I, uh, you know, one of my greatest pleasures at the moment is fairly simple. I wake up in the morning and I can hear my grandson down uh, downstairs and I hear him waking up, and I hear Hannah and Izzy and them, and I hear his little voice going, or whatever. (laughs) You know what? Man, I just feel good. I can't wait to get up and see my little grandson. I just want us to reprioritize a little. It says here, I haven't even looked at the time good. Jesus was greatly displeased. It's kind of like, you imagine Jesus. You imagine, you know, when you see the countenance of someone, when they're happy, yee kind of stuff. And you know, Jesus, you know. But imagine looking at the face of Jesus, and he is greatly displeased. Imagine if I get up to meet him. And he has got rather than well, Keith, you did a great job. He is greatly displeased. Huh. You know that I don't th- you know what the actual language of that means. It's kind of it's a little bit scary. It means to be greatly afflicted and indignant. When the disciples who thought they were doing the right thing, and they weren't, it says Jesus was in fact indignant at their behavior. Because his cry and his love and his heart for children. I don't think we're there as a church. I don't think we're in the, you know, but I think, man, we need to bring them up a bit further and understand the wonder of that, because that's the next generation. That's the next church. Saddest thing that I can say to you and me as a leader is when I come across kids and I come across people who have become adults who don't want to have a bar to do with God because of mum and dad and even though mum and dad had some kind of faith. That is so sad. Now I'm a parent and I have blown it a few times but none of you have. hallelujah when we blow it we go to him and we say sorry and we can go to our kids and say sorry too you know sometimes my kids drive me nuts now they're adults they think they're so much smarter than me man are they wrong nah but they love bringing up my little mistakes when I was a parent you know when they were little Izzy and Zach and Kieran and Jerusha, I love my kids so much. You know, and, and yeah, man, I made some mistakes. But I'm so thankful that they are now talking to him, worshipping Jesus, trying to serve him themselves. And i got to tell you, it's only by the grace. And a smart mum. Hmm. We don't want to displease Jesus. So, you know, this thing, the mark of God on our children. The mark of God, I love it. We've got to feed that thing. We've got to grow that thing in our kids. How do you do it? How do you bring your kids? Or how do we bring our kids? How do we build a community? How do we build a church? that has children in the right priority, that has children where they belong, that has the answers to all these things that are being attacked with from government, from education. How do we do it? Well, we've got to bring them to Jesus. That's for sure. Nehemiah, when he saw the problem, when he saw the brokenness of the nation and he saw how the enemy was rampantly attacking them, He didn't rush off and try and fix it. You know what he did first? The Bible says that he started to cry and he started to weep. And then it says that he prayed and fasted to the God of heaven. That's why I want to bring in into our culture uh, in the coming coming weeks um, some serious prayer and fasting to cry out to God. God, we want your answer. God, we want to protect our children. God, we want the solutions for our children, that they would encounter you. Show us how to bring them to you. Hallelujah. I want to inspire you if you are a parent. Have you ever prayed and fasted for your kids? It's a good time to start. Or maybe it's a new time to just remind ourselves and and do some prayer and fasting. That's one aspect of what I really want to grow as as the kids thing and bring it right up. But there's a few others, but I'm not going to go there at the moment. So number one is we need to do this prayer and fasting thing. Number two. It's found in verse 18 of the scripture that we read. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. This is in Nehemiah. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's word that he had spoken to me. I just want you to think of this for a moment. Nehemiah sees the problem, fasts and pray, don't worry about the watch. This is more important, to be honest with you. He fasts and prays. Something happens. The king of Persia has a moment with Nehemiah where his favor is let loose and Nehemiah then begins to get the resources and the strength and the opportunity to make a change. And then Nehemiah goes on and he watches this thing he calls the mighty hand of God or the hand of God. The hand of God made the difference. And then when he brings to inspire the people who he wants to work with to build the wall, he tells them of the mighty hand of God. See, I believe the prayer and fasting thing will then enable us to activate the mighty hand of God. Remember, Jesus said, Don't not bring the kids to me. Let them come to me so I can touch them and bless them. See, so you know what we need? We don't need our kids to be colouring in pictures. That's all good. That's don't get me wrong. We need our kids to be touched by the mighty hand of God. Amen. The mighty hand of God. And it's not like Jesus don't want us to bring them to him. But it's our job to bring them to him. If you are a parent, I'm going to finish with this illustration. And it's one that I found on a plane flying. Kind of weird, what? On a plane flying? When you get on a plane, often, you know when they do, you know, okay, we're going to run you through the, the safety procedure, you know, in the, of, in the case of an emergency and there's danger, a mask will drop from the roof. You ever heard that? Yep. Thank God I've never seen the mask drop yet. <laughs> but, um, and then they say this if you are a parent or have a dependent, do not attempt to put the mask on your child first. It says you put the mask on first. See, if you want to be a parent, or if we want to be a church that wants to get God to touch our kids, Hallelujah. we've got to put the mask on first. Yes. We've got to put the mask of the Holy Spirit on us first. Yes. Yes. We're got to breathe the breath of God. God's from shouting we've got to breathe the life of the spirit when it talks about the Holy Spirit the new breath of God it's called the pneuma, the breath of God friend you've got to put the mask of the breath of God on you then you can help your kids because he's got to touch us first before we can touch them Amen. hallelujah are you excited Yes. friends we can build together Our kids have the mark of God on them. Man, I'm not going to... I just believe we can touch the kids in this town. But I'm not going to... Stay here first. Can we close our eyes? You know, Jesus, I come on behalf of our church first of all. And Lord, I just want to repent before you if we have ever prevented our children from being touched by you. I want to confess, Lord, that we as a church have not put our kids where they belong. And Father, I cry out to you on behalf of us at Ignite. God, we need you. Lord, we need the mighty hand of God to fall upon us and upon our children. God, we need you to touch our kids. I pray for each and every person that is here today and is listening through our stream. God, let a heart cry develop in us to cry for our generations that are coming. Lord, let us put aside everything else. And God, strengthen us as a church when we go through our prayer and fasting. Because God, I know we're going to see the mighty hand come. You You inspire us, Holy Spirit. If you this morning have never met with Jesus, if you this morning have never had the chance to put on your spiritual mask to breathe the breath of God into you, or if this morning you know you need to do it in a new and a fresh way, I'm going to pray for you. But you've got to agree. Jesus, to those this morning that are already crying to you. We're going to pray a prayer together. Lord Jesus, pray it with me. Lord Jesus, we need you. Our kids need you. Our nation needs you. I need you. Please forgive me. for all my sins and wash me clean and God breathe the life of his spirit upon me in Jesus name Amen